Divine Intervention Four eggs appeared in the vast ocean around Cerberus. They were pure white and glistened with the brilliance of diamonds. However, no one would ever see this for their locations were in the deepest part of the seas. As time passed on the surface, these eggs gained an even higher light emanating from them. They would shake every so often, as if something were about to hatch but lacked the strength to do so. The creatures of the deep would observe the eggs, but the heat that surrounded them made it unbearable. The area around the eggs eventually became barren. Wake, our children! A godly voice spoke to the eggs, and their shells began to crack. From within one of the eggs emerged an unparalleled beauty. She had long slender legs, and a well-structured face. Her eyes were sharp, and her lips were plump. She had bright white wings on her back which numbered a total of six. As she took a breath of the water she immediately woke to her senses. The newly emerged being looked around at the deep and only saw darkness. Phthura, our child! A godly voice said once more. Phthura looked around for the source of the voice in the darkness. Mother? Phthura called out. Yes, you may call us that. Go out into the world that has been populated by ungrateful beings. They no longer are grateful to your mother for the gifts they received. The voice said to Phthura. I shall do as you ask, mother. How shameful it is that they no longer give their gratitude to the ones who gave them life. I will punish them on your behalf if you allow me to. Thura replied. Good. Now wake your siblings. And tell them what we have told you. The voice said to Thura before vanishing. Thura located another egg. It was also shining bright and shaking. Thura touched the egg and it shattered. What emerged from it was an unparalleled cuteness. She was much shorter than Thura, but had much larger eyes. Her cheeks were rosy and her face was rounder. She had two great wings on her back which were black, they were only two in number. Wake up, my sister, Phthura said to the newly emerged being. My sister? The new being questioned. Yes, and I have something to tell you once we wake up our other siblings, Phthura said to the new being. The new being quickly gained consciousness about herself. Big sister, my name is Tana. The newly emerged being said. Tana is it? My name is Phthura, it's a pleasure to have you as my sister. Thura said. They both then swam in the deep, and stumbled upon the next egg. It again glowed brightly. It seemed to have ended up slightly tilted. Tana touched the egg and it shattered. Emerging from inside was a being which looked unlike the other two. Half of their body was small and was being lifted by the other half. They had three great wings which were bright white on one side, and three more on the other which were red. They had a handsome face and overall were extremely tall. My brother, welcome, Thura said to the newly hatched being. The being looked around at the two who were standing in front of it. They swam upright to stand before the two sisters. It paused and looked. Sisters, it said aloud to the two. I am Thura, your eldest sibling. Thura introduced. And I am Tana, your older sister, Tana said. The being pointed at itself. I am Necro. Your younger brother. Necro told the two. It is a pleasure to have you as our brother. Thura and Tana said together. Now we must wake our final sibling. Thura told the other two. They all swam and located the final egg, which showed the brightest. Thura again touched the egg and it shattered. From it emerged a more slender being of an intimidating nature. The being was tall, and had an extremely strong figure. They were unparalleled in their attractiveness but had eyes that seemed dead to the world. They had two deep brown wings which looked to be covered in fur. His wings folded up and sat neatly behind him. Our youngest sibling, welcome to the world, Thura said to the newly hatched being. 
He looked at the three, and despite being taller, he bent down to lower himself to them. My siblings, thank you for allowing me to emerge, he said to the three. What name has been bestowed upon you by mother? Thura asked. My name is Epidemo. The newly emerged being responded. Our youngest brother, Epidemo, I am Thura. Your eldest sibling. Thura introduced herself. I am Tana, your older sister. Tana introduced herself. And I am Necro, your older brother, Necro said. They all finally emerged and the brightness of their presence lit the area around them. My siblings, mother have asked me, and us by extension, to go out into the world above. A world that is no longer grateful to our benevolent mother. We must live in that world, and punish them for making our mother feel that way. Thura told the siblings. How undesirable. Despite me only seeing the darkness of the waters, I am beyond thankful to mother for granting me life, and even more so that I have been given siblings, Tana said. Mother has granted them life and they disregard her, how ungrateful of them. Necro responded. I am revolted by even knowing of their existence now. They truly don't deserve to continue to live in the world above if this is their action, Epidemo said. All four of them spread their wings wide and traveled out of the ocean's deep. They were all stunned by the warmth of the daylight star, and the crisp feeling of the air. They felt the breeze on their skin, and the sense of the sea. They took in the colors of the world and took in the vastness of Cerberus. This is the world granted to them by mother. It is truly wonderful and vast, Thura said to the siblings. Tana looked above and saw the airships above making the noise of explosives. That is unsightly. I do not like it, Tana said, looking at the armada. Was the ground not enough for them to disgrace, Necro said. I desire to get rid of it, Epidemo said to the group. Our goal is to make them become grateful to mother. If we destroy them all at once then they will curse mother instead. We must bring them down slowly, and make them plead to mother for forgiveness, Thura said to the siblings. I can't stand them, they are so ugly. Tana remarked. Thura took a breath in and a bright light glowed within her. From the light emerged spheres which were like tiny eggs. Thura then leaned forward in exhaustion. The siblings went to help her. What was that, eldest sibling? Necro asked. Within us I felt the power of mother, therefore we should too be able to create beings to help us spread our mission. It will be too labor-intensive to interact with every human on this world, Thura said to the siblings. The siblings too performed what they witnessed Thura do and the eggs from them scattered across the land. We must rest, and have those perform our duties, and when our power comes back we create more, Thura said. The other siblings nodded in agreement. The siblings then returned to the sea below and the eggs that they left began to glow. Several years passed for Amelia. She was now around the age of puberty. She could be seen running around the ship she lived on greeting the citizens of the Daylight Armada. Hi Timothy. Hi John, Amelia said running past a few construction workers who were performing maintenance on a turbine. Be careful little Amelia, don't run too close to the equipment, Timothy said to her. Don't worry, Amelia said, continuing down the road with her little red backpack. She was on her way back home after a day of school. She dashed through the entrance of her home's front door and jumped on the living room cushion. She checked the time. Yes. I made it back 40 seconds faster. Amelia cheered. Hurry and clean yourself up, Amelia. And help me with dinner, Lori said. Got it, I got it, mother. Amelia responded, feeling a bit annoyed that she had to cook. Don't act too excited, Lori said sarcastically as Amelia went to her room to change out of her school clothes. 
Over the past few years Amelia's dad went from being a middle-level health professional to being a senior-level health doctor for adolescents. This afforded Lori to quit her job as an optometrist and remain home to care for Amelia. How was school today? Lori asked loudly so that Amelia could hear her. Boring. Amelia responded. Amelia left her room and entered the kitchen. Everyone is just so stupid. Amelia told her mom. Don't say that, they may just be good at other things, Lori said, handing Amelia some dough to need. It's not that hard to become good at something, honestly, I think they are just being lazy. Amelia responded. She then looked down at the dough. Oh, we are making dumplings? Amelia asked. That's correct, so I won't have to watch you too closely, right? Lori asked. Of course not, I am a master at this, Amelia said as she started punching the dough. Don't hurt yourself. Lori warned. Sometime after August, Amelia's father walked through the door. He seemed to have a look of despair on his face. Welcome back. Lori walked over to August and kissed him. She then looked at his face. What's wrong? She asked. August looked up and saw both his wife and daughter. His face perked back up. Hello my perfect goddesses, August said to the two. He then put up his jacket and bag. Did something happen at work? Lori asked. No, no. Nothing to be worried about. August responded. Father, even if you are in a lower mood than usual, today's dinner was prepared with my help, so there is no doubt it will be perfect, Amelia said to August. August tapped Amelia's nose. I have no doubt about that for my little genius, August said to her. Stop that, Amelia laughed. I'm not a baby anymore. Of course not, August said. He then walked into the kitchen to smell the food. Oh, this smells wonderful. He remarked. It'll be finished in a few. So just wait a bit. Lori told August. August pulled out a newspaper and sat on the hair in the living room. Amelia stood in front of him. I got back 40 seconds faster today than usual. Amelia told August. That's impressive. How'd you do it? August asked. Well, I figured out that if you run on the front part of your feet you'll have less contact with the ground, reducing the amount of friction that could slow me down. I think I am ready to be part of the Cerberus Olympics, Amelia said to her dad. Well, you are still a bit young for that. But I have no doubt you will get there, August said to Amelia. And, that should allow me to travel to the nighttime armada too, right? Amelia asked. You don't need to try and rush to get there. The nightlife can wait, August said to Amelia. Plus, things are getting a bit more dangerous lately. It's no longer as safe as it was when I was a kid. Maybe you shouldn't read so much of that newspaper, all they talk about is bad news, Lori said, setting up the table. I have more than one source for my information. August responded. Amelia sat down at the table and prepared to eat. Do you want to pray today, Amelia? Lori asked. Amelia put her hands together. Thank you Great Saint Arrow for this meal. You have protected us, the children of the sky from disaster and have given us a bountiful life so that we never starve. We ask for your divine protection forever and plead our undying loyalty to your name. So it shall be, Amelia said, finishing her grace. The family ate together, and soon ended their night. Amelia went into her bed and laid quietly. Her room automatically became dark to simulate night, and the interior of the room was reminiscent of the night sky. As Amelia slept she felt something dark around her. She got up and looked around her room in a minor panic. Who's there? Amelia called out. There was no answer. 
Amelia rubbed her eyes and laid back down. Things were not so simple in her parents' room. August was having a cold sweat, but Lori seemed to have been unaffected. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. August was speaking aloud in his sleep. Flashes of bare skin showed in his mind. They continued to show more and more until he woke up. Lori woke up in response to August's sudden jerk. Having a nightmare? Lori asked. August put his finger on his eyelids. It's fine. I just need some water, August said as he made his way to the kitchen. A ghastly figure watched him drink. Disgusting. But you liked it didn't you? The figure said into August's ear. He put down the cup of water and looked around. Had his fist balled up. Don't fight it, you pervert. The figure said in August's ear. Get out. I'm warning you, August said in the kitchen. Their skin is so clear and tight, unlike your aging wife. The ghastly figure continued to say. August kneeled down and began to pray. Please protect me great Saint Arrow, please protect your loyal servant. August requested. Pointless. The figure said disappearing from the room. August peeked and looked around the room. He was no longer hearing the voice. He leaned over the counter in the kitchen and grabbed his head. He soon returned to bed with Lori and went back to sleep. Lori grabbed him as she slept to comfort him from his nightmares. The next day Amelia ran off to school. I bet I can beat yesterday's record too, Amelia said. I believe you will. August responded. Amelia then turned the corner and was on her way to her class. Do you have any appointments today? Lori asked. No, I cancelled them this morning. I should be free for us to do something. August responded. You're cancelling, that is so unlike you, Lori joked with August. She moved flirtatiously with him. They both then went into their house to have a miniature date night. Eventually the date became steamy. August pressed Lori against the wall and began to undress her. Lori was stimulated from his body against hers. Once August removed Lori's pants his phone rang. Just ignore it, August said as he continued to make out with his wife. Lori wrapped her arms around August. She wanted him to take complete control of the situation. She lightly bit on his neck. Then another call rang out. It's not important, we can keep going, August said, lifting Lori up onto his hips. She was now stripped only to her undergarments. I'm ready for it now. Lori whispered in his ear. August then positioned Lori to finally begin their love. Then another phone call came through. Their mood was killed. You should probably just answer it, Lori said to August. August begrudgingly walked over to the phone. Dr. Avian? The person on the phone asked when August picked up. Yes, this is him. August responded. Please, my daughter is ill, she is having an overwhelming pain in her stomach. I'm afraid she might have drank poison or something. The person on the phone spoke worriedly. Calm down sir, do you have something that could induce vomiting? August asked. Lori sat to the side covering herself with a bed sheet. I'm already on my way to your office. I don't have anything with me. The person on the phone said. August was annoyed by this person's action. Okay, I'll head over there, August said, hanging up the phone. What's wrong? Lori asked. Some guy is heading over to my office, apparently his daughter drank poison or something, August said putting back on his clothing. Is that right? Well, I guess this comes with a job, Lori said disappointed. Sorry about this, August said kissing Lori then leaving out the door. August rushed to his office where he saw the man with his daughter squeezing her own stomach. She was visibly in excruciating pain.
August unlocked the door, and invited them in. August gestured for the man to put his daughter on the table. August performed a quick check over the girl's body. He lifted her shirt to check her heart rate. The father looked over worried about his daughter. August was listening to his stethoscope. Look at that skin, doesn't it look so delicate? The voice from the prior night spoke to August. August tried to ignore it. Imagine if this girl was your wife, wouldn't that be perfect, it continued to tempt him. Your daughter has an elevated heart rate, likely from the pain, and. August began to explain the situation to the father to try and give him some answers. Such a remarkable little thing. Nothing like that old hag of a wife you have. Just a little taste, remember how it felt last time. The voice continued to speak to August. The father responded back to the information that August told him. So pure, so young. The voice continued. I have a daughter. August responded. The father looked confused since August's response didn't seem to match his question. What I mean to say is, I understand your worry, I have a daughter too, August said to correct the flow of the conversation. Yes, but that girl isn't your daughter. She is more similar to any other woman, except young and pure. You haven't been satisfied yet. The voice continued to taunt. The daughter continued to lay on the table in utter pain. August brought over a device to numb the pain. Is she going to be alright? The father asked. More likely than not. I am going to need to find out what is in her system and neutralize it, it'll only take a few minutes. August informed. Then let me go and get her a change of clothing, I don't want her to walk back a complete mess. The father said, rushing out of the door. Wait. That's unnecessary. August tried to yell out, but the father already left. August was now in the room alone with the semi-unconscious girl. He went over to more of his equipment and began to pump the liquid into her body to neutralize the toxin. August looked at the girl's face as she laid on the table. August looked around the room to make sure no one was around. Don't worry. It is safe. I checked for you. You are free to do whatever you want. The voice in August's head said. August turned to the girl. He felt her face with a few of his fingers. That's right. Keep going. The voice said. August brought his finger to the girl's lips. He then pulled away quickly. What am I doing? August said to himself. August was met with complete silence in the room. All that he could hear was the sound of the machine behind him. As it continued to pump and drain. He then stood back straight up. August realized that there was no one around to judge him. The only one to keep him in check was himself, and there would be no one for someone to find out. He walked back over to the girl and felt her face again. How about you keep exploring, you pervert? The voice in his head said. August continued. Soon after the entire operation was completed and the girl was sitting on the table as if nothing happened. The toxins within her body had been neutralized and she was just resting. The father knocked on the door. Dr. Ravane? It's me, I came by earlier and left to get clothes for my daughter. The father said outside. August opened the door and let the man in. He was carrying a light blue dress that had a white blouse underneath. It was a bit frilly. The dress had puffy shoulders and reached down to slightly lower than the knees. How is she? Is she going to be okay doctor? The father asked. She is perfectly fine. I examined her and was able to figure out what was wrong. You may take her whenever you please. August responded to the father. Wake up. The father said to the girl laying on the table. She slowly woke up and saw the two men in the room. She looked over at the father. Daddy? 
she said having the typical blurry vision when first waking up. Thank the gods. The father said. Her stomach growled. I'm a bit hungry. The girl said, rubbing her stomach. Then let me get you something to eat. The father said helping his daughter up. Thank you Dr. Avian, I'll be sure to pay you soon, he said to August. No need to rush, just make sure to make a full recovery. I look forward to your next visit, August said to the two. The door shut to his office and he was alone in the room. It was silent once more. See, nothing happened. They even thanked you. Didn't that feel good? The voice said to August. Shut up. August responded. He then put on his jacket to head outside. Come on, don't treat me like that. If it wasn't for me, you would not have had that chance in the first place. The voice said. August did not speak. He simply ignored the voice. Then how about I fill that girl with the memories of what you were doing to her? The voice threatened August. No. August responded. Good, it seems you understand your situation now. The voice said. She was unconscious, there's no way she would have memories of that, August said. The voice then showed August the events of the room during the operation. It seemed that this entity stored a recording of the event. It then manifested itself to August. August stood silent. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that would kill you, I just want to be entertained a little. If you do that, then this memory will never see the light of day ever again. The entity said to August. I understand. What should I call you? August asked. Olithros, but that'll be Lord Olithros to you. And if you obey everything I say, I will even fulfill your wishes, Olithros said to August. I understand, Lord Olithros. August responded. Now, there is a church near here. I just want you to do something simple. Go in there, grab the sculpture of Arrow and destroy it. Do that and I will destroy this memory. Olithros requested August. August stood silent for a while, then nodded his head. He began to head towards the church. Inside the church he found two older women praying. The room was quiet and was made from white blocks of stone. The room was surrounded by several sculptures of each of the disciples of the great saint. And in the front of the room was the sculpture of Saint Arrow. August walked silently to the front of the room. The two women continued to pray, unaware of August's existence. There the sculpture stood. It was made from marble. It was extremely detailed. It showed Saint Arrow's magnificent ribbons, and his great wings. August stood in front of it and prayed. Please forgive me Saint Arrow for what I am about to do, and forgive me for what I have done. August prayed. He looked around the room one more time, and confirmed that no one was watching. August slid the sculpture into his pocket, and slowly walked out. Once outside August moved quickly away from the church. And went to the park to smash the sculpture. Right when he was about to pull the sculpture from his pocket someone walked next to him. Dr. Avian. Fancy seeing you here. The person said to August. August immediately stood straight up and let the sculpture go in his pocket. Reginald. How have you been? August said to the man. You know, the wife and kid, am I right? Reginald laughed, nudging August with his elbow trying to get August to laugh too. August let out a small chuckle. Reginald's elbow nearly touched the sculpture. So why are you here alone? I usually don't see you here except with. Ah. What is your daughter's name? It's on the tip of my tongue, Reginald said. August started to become anxious. Amelia, her name is Amelia. August responded. Yes. Amelia. She is quite the talent. My son, 
who is about two grades ahead of her, said that she is faster than nearly everyone in the school. Remarkable. Reginald noted August. That's good to know. August responded. Man, how do you do it? It must be those genes your wife has, ha, because it's obviously not coming from you. Reginald jokes again. I'm just playing with you. Yeah, it sure isn't from me, August said back to Reginald. Come on doc, loosen up. I've never seen you so tense, Reginald said, smacking August's back trying to loosen him up. The smack nearly knocked the sculpture out of his pocket. I was just on my way back home, the wife was really looking forward to me being home, August said, trying to get Reginald to take the hint. That's right, why are you out already? Isn't this your office hours? Reginald asked. I decided to take a break today, but there was an emergency that forced me to go in today. August quickly said. Rough, an emergency. What was that like? Reginald asked. Sorry, I can't really tell you the details. August responded, trying to keep the conversation from carrying on. Yeah, I guess you have your patient doctor's secret, whatever you call it, Reginald laughed. Reginald then grabbed both of August's shoulders and shook him. Loosen up pal, it's not like I am the police or anything, Reginald joked once more. The sculpture slipped out of his jacket pocket but August caught it before it became visible. Reginald noticed something. Well, I should be going. I have to see what the wife wants. It was nice speaking with you Reginald, August said. Yeah, I'll catch up with you soon doctor. Reginald called out. August moved quickly and placed the sculpture back in his pocket. He made a beeline straight home and entered his home. Lori was at home cleaning. She heard August enter the house. She began to enter the door space. August knew that she would immediately come in for a hug, but the sculpture was not easy to hide away from an interaction like that. So he quickly looked around, and saw that Amelia's room was open. August tossed the sculpture into Amelia's room. Lori finally came into view of August and she came in for a hug and kiss. You seem so tense. How about we fix that, Lori said to August. August was a bit distracted. I look forward to it. August responded. Lori pulled August away from that area. A little later Amelia ran through the streets at a full sprint. Hi John, hi Timothy, Amelia said, running past the two. You're like the wind, Amelia, John said as Amelia continued. Amelia then ran into her home. She looked at the time. Yes. A minute faster, Amelia said. Amelia immediately ran into her room. Amelia. Lori called out. I know mom, I'm already getting cleaned up. Amelia responded. August then felt a shock in his heart as he was laying in the parents' room. The sculpture. He thought to himself. Amelia grabbed the sculpture, having almost tripped on it. Oh. It's Saint Arrow, Amelia said to herself. Amelia, can I come in? August asked, knocking on Amelia's door. I'm changing, I'll be out soon. Amelia responded. Amelia hid the sculpture in her room and changed into her house clothes. She then opened the door for August. Amelia, did you happen to see a figurine in your room? August said, trying to not reveal that it was a sculpture of Arrow just in case. A figurine? No. I didn't see anything like that. Amelia responded. Dang, this must be Olithro's doing, since I didn't destroy the sculpture. August convinced himself. He then slowly began to panic to himself. Great, I knew it was too good to be true. Amelia watched her father tense up. Do you need a prayer to help calm you down? Amelia asked August. 
No, it's okay. Get ready for dinner, August said. He then left the room. Amelia moved to where she hid the sculpture. Wow, you are a fancy one. Amelia thought to herself. Several days went by. August's condition slowly became worse, and he spent a much longer time outside of the home. August was left alone once more with a patient. Just like all the others, August. You may have your fill on this one too, Olithro said to August. August began to sweat with anticipation. Amelia ran home at breakneck speed, being even faster than before. She immediately ran into her room to speak with the sculpture of Arrow. Hello Saint Arrow. I am moving even faster today, I am almost like the wind. I hope one day I will be able to move as fast as you, Amelia said to the sculpture. The sculpture stood quiet and shined in her room. Oh, I should run to my dad's office. So he could see how fast I got, maybe he will let me join the Junior Olympics team. Amelia consulted the sculpture. It said nothing. Amelia then hit it and ran out the door. I'm going to see dad, Amelia said before running out the door so that her mom knew where she was going. Be back before dinner, it's in 10 minutes, Lori said, but Amelia was already out of earshot. Amelia ran to the office. She was breathing heavily from her sprint. As she was about to knock on the door, she heard heavy breathing from inside as well. That's weird. There shouldn't be anything exhausting in there. Maybe he is in trouble. Amelia thought. She then went to the back of the office and climbed up the wall, so that she could look through the outdoor vent. Amelia was trying to get a good look inside. But the fans of the vent blocked her view. Yeah, just like that. August muttered to himself. Amelia squinted her eyes trying to get a better look. She started to see more clearly. August had most of his body atop the girl laying on the table as she was unconscious. He was licking the girl's neck. Amelia was disgusted and she turned away. That can't be my dad. Amelia thought to herself. She continued to hear August's heavy breathing. Keep going August, put on a show for me. A voice in the room said. Amelia was able to hear it. She turned around to look into the room again. She again saw her father performing perverted actions. Amelia's brain seemed to have clicked. She turned numb. The shock of her seeing her father do something so vile broke everything in the world that she constructed. He is no longer my father, Amelia said to herself. She climbed down from the building and walked back home. Later that night Amelia, August and Lori were sitting eating a meal together. So I heard that you broke another record today, you are becoming a little superstar, August said to Amelia. Of course. Amelia responded in a more solemn manner than usual. August and Lori were taken aback from this tone. Ah, Amelia, how are your runs? Do you like this area? Lori asked. It's fine. I see guys like John and Timothy every day and they cheer me on. Other than that I run too fast for people to interact with me. Amelia responded, in a similar tone, but slightly nicer to her mom. John and Timothy? You should be careful when alone and there's men around, you never know what they could be thinking, August said eating some more food. I bet you would know all about that, Amelia said under her breath. August looked over at her. What was that? He asked Amelia. Nothing, Amelia said. She then put down her eating utensils and stood up. May I go to my room? Amelia asked. August and Lori looked at each other. Ah, sure, Lori said. Amelia then walked out of the dining room and left out of sight. That was odd. What do you think is wrong? Lori asked August. 
she is starting to enter that age where she would be thinking more about herself, so maybe that has her a bit agitated. August responded. I don't know, that felt a bit more than agitation. Lori added. Amelia was in her room consulting the sculpture of Arrow. This world is garbage, if it could make someone like my dad become like that, Amelia said to the sculpture. I know you saved our world from calamity, but it's hardly worth it, Amelia continued. Amelia then began to write in a spare notebook. Amelia's plan for conquest. Is how she titled the book. Yes, let that anger flow through you. A voice said to Amelia. Amelia looked around. Who's there? Amelia called out. I can help you achieve your goals, you want to cause destruction, am I wrong? The voice said. What can you offer me? Amelia asked. I can make sure that your wish becomes a reality. All you have to do is a small task for me. The voice tempted her. What is it? Amelia asked in response. Someone's pet seemed to have been let out. How about you teach the owner a lesson by executing the creature and delivering it to the owner? The voice said. I knew speaking to you was a waste of time, Amelia said, turning her focus back to her notebook. What? Do you not understand what you could receive from such a small price? I am offering you your wish for the life of an animal. The voice said. There are two reasons why I won't do it, the first is that the animal is weaker than I am, so hurting it does not justify any wish I could get. And second, I am able to achieve my own wish with enough thought. Amelia responded. Interesting child. You are the first to disagree with my terms. I will be watching you. The voice said, then the room became silent. Amelia looked back at where she heard the voice. If you really wanted to allow me to achieve my wish and were capable of doing so, then you would have done it on your own for the good of the world. Amelia thought. She then started to write down her first plan. How to eliminate vile people. Amelia began to write, she started outlining her plans on how she would get rid of her father. The siblings had established a region in the oceans. It was ruled by Phthura, the eldest. Then beneath her were the three great lords, Tana, Epidemo, and Necro. Around the throne were the guardians of the great lords. Beneath the guardian of the great lords were the rulers of principalities, and below them were the subjects of those rulers. They were all children of children of the siblings. Every citizen of the siblings region was given divine power as a gift from mother. And were all able to manipulate aspects of the planet. Continue to cause dread in those beings who dare worship any other being other than mother, make their life utter despair for their ungratefulness, Thura commanded. The guardian nodded in agreement then went out to give their specific orders. Among one of these guardians was Olithros, they have returned to give their report to Tana. Your Majesty, while I was out surveying the regions in the sky I have come across a human child who already possessed a will stronger than the typical adult. Olithros began the report. And what of it? Ignore the child, and destroy everyone around her. Tana responded. I fear that if left to her own devices, especially if allowed to grow to an adult, she could organize and repel against our mission. Olithros suggested. You really think so? Then get someone around her to dispose of her. Or you could do it yourself, whichever causes more despair. Tana responded. Your orders are absolute, your majesty, Olithros said before excusing himself. Venchuser and Aquare were in the wilderness of Cerberus. This world is dirty, Aquare said looking at the debris from the civilization flowing through the water. I suppose it's only expected, their world lacks constant world wars, so conservation of material is most likely not on their list of priorities. Venchuser responded. Aquare watched the debris flow down the river. 
It's like the water doesn't even notice it. A queer thought to herself. Then an idea popped in her head. Oh. I have an idea for a challenge, so that we aren't just standing around doing nothing, a queer said to Ventuser. We aren't standing around, we are observing. Ventuser responded. Well, we are causing anything to happen. So it's practically doing nothing. A queer returned a comment. So what is this idea you have? Ventuser asked. How about we both integrate ourselves into one of the societies and whoever gets discovered last can make the decision on what we can do next with Brooke, Mwiki, and Emma? Aquare suggested. That sounds entertaining. Ventuser responded. As for the rules. If someone comments, you are a strange one, or any comment that makes you stand out, then that is the point you officially lose, Aquare stated the rule. Just to make sure. You aren't allowed to silence people if they are just about to say it, correct? Ventuser asked. Sure, we can add that. Aquare responded. And what about manipulation of their memories? Ventuser requested Aquare to clarify. Sure, that is allowed. Okay, so we can do anything but if they are about to say those words or do say it, then it is over, Aquare stated. Which society do you want to do this in? Ventuser asked. Aquare created energy constructs of the names of the cities and put them into a randomizer that depended on the quantum states of the particles surrounding the construct. I'll let you shake up the object, and whichever falls out is where we will go, Aquare said to Ventuser. Ventuser shook the object and a city fell out. Looks like we are going to be going to the district of Titan, Aquare said, looking at the item. Isn't that where Moiku is? Aquare asked. It is indeed. Ventuser responded. Well no changes to the rules. If Moiku is caught in the crossfire, then so be it, Aquare said to Ventuser clarifying a last bit of the rules. Aquare and Ventuser both transported to the district of Titan. They remained hidden from all existence in this reality. Aquare looked around to see what the citizens were doing. She saw a group of higher education students walking by. Aquare changed herself to one of them, and followed behind at a distance. Ventuser watched Aquare begin the challenge. Ventuser looked around and saw a similar group wearing different clothing. Ventuser changed into their appearance and walked behind them as well. The integration and the challenge had officially begun for the two godheads, 